0: Welcome to the Waypoint What's the Point podcast. I'm Danny, one of the pastors here at Waypoint Church. And this is our What's the Point podcast, where we talk about all things going on in the life of Waypoint Church. And I am joined this week by... i Pastor Lawrence Yu. And Pastor Eric Weiner. And we have a, a important and pressing and just kind of what's going on topic right now. And we're just thinking through how, how are we individually as pastors, as followers of Christ, as Americans. How are we navigating the present political climate? So in this podcast, you might hope we that you're going to get all the answers of how to, and we are going to share our own experiences of how we're navigating it now and how we kind of came to where we are. And there, there will be some nuggets of wisdom, but we also want you as, as Waypoint people, as people, but more importantly, as followers of Christ to begin to think through, what is God calling me to as I trust him. I live in a democracy. I live in a, a, a representative democracy, a republic in 2020, where I'm allowed to have a vote. And there's just a lot of things going on. So let's dive right in. And the first question is for each of us is just tell a little bit about your background with engaging with the political conversation, maybe from high school, college, young adult to now. So what's been your trajectory? What's been your journey on as as you've been in an American, and this is part of the process. We have a right to engage. In complete honesty, just a full reveal of Lawrence you, um, not existent for the
1: longest time. <laughs> like, I was at high school. Yeah. yeah. High school, I could definitely not care about politics. Okay. I mean, I was like, okay. mm-hmm. whatever, whatever. I needed pass the grade. Oh, you cared about grades, girls, yeah, grades, and girls, God? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I like that grades, girls, and God.
2: The three G's of Lawrence <laughs> so you, but God was first. Yeah. God was first, of
1: course, of course. God, grades, and yeah. girls. Lawrence you, basketball, which is not a G's. I got forgot something else there. Goals, but, um, goals. Yeah, goals. I like okay. that.
2: Gators, yeah, Gators in college. Wow. Yeah,
1: I mean, ultimately, political politics was just something that's what other people thought about. It didn't have anything to do with me. I felt like it didn't affect me. Mm-hmm. I was probably too lazy to even care about it, honestly. And so, and part of the fact, I think I was, as being a young person, you, you're just kind of like, this doesn't have anything to do with me. I don't own land. I don't own property. I don't, the mm-hmm. uh, taxes don't, don't really affect me. I don't even think about it all that much. Uh, at least in my generation, that's where we were. I think this generation nowadays, young people are very different. They're more mm-hmm. motivated, they're more socially aware, um, which is, I think is a good thing. But for me, I just didn't care. It wasn't until I became a young adult, adult uh, now, where I started caring more. And I think the whole political climate has changed. You know, it's not so much um, kind of like everybody's, you know, everybody's good, we kind of get along. It's very much uh, you're on one side or you're an enemy now. So it kind of almost feels like
0: it's. Captain. You pick a team, and you mm-hmm. it, you pick the team. You know, Duke, yeah. UNC, Auburn, Alabama. Exactly. You're you know, exactly like, right. You, it's and like FCC football. You, and you just have to, you know, you, you Florida, Georgia. Florida, yeah, FFA, you, can't, you
1: can't just be like, I don't care, Florida, Georgia. No. If you, if you like it, you're to be one of them. And if you're, of you're on nobody. the team,
0: you got to buy it. You've got to believe in every part that's of the team. That's right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So
2: since, yeah. Okay, so that's kind of your background. How about you, Eric? Yeah, I, I would say, I mean, very similar. I mean, it's definitely – I remember being in high school and friends having conversations about this political party versus this political – or this candidate. Like, which one are you going to promote? You know, you have uh, people who are in the, the young Democrats or the young Republicans, and I just didn't really care. Like, it just was not – it wasn't something I was interested in. I mean, you hear the noise, and I feel like I, like throughout – since being able to vote, so I was actually able to vote for the first time when I was in high school, like I turned eighteen right before mm. um, oh, wow. before the for the election with Obama and McCain. Oh wow, so I was one of the few people in my class who was like, yeah, all you guys are like shouting at each other, but I actually have a say, so <laughs> what people that's trying that's like, to sway you or? like yeah, like people in in high school it's like your your voice doesn't matter, your voice doesn't matter, mine does because I get to <laughs> vote, um which I mean. But but like so so it was definitely that that people were talking about it. But it wasn't. It hasn't even really been until like very recently. And I think maybe even specifically since doing ministry that it's felt particularly prevalent. Like I like in the sense like a responsibility to know more. And even you know Lawrence, you're talking about with uh, the younger generation, Gen Z, knowing more. Like they're I, I almost feel like it's good and bad how much they feel thrust into this conversation. I think that social media has, has especially escalated it or accelerated their, their uh, maybe. And I still haven't figured out what the threshold is, like what grade or like where, at what point you feel like you have to know, like you, you feel a responsibility to know or like to have an opinion. Um, But you just, you hear all of these arguments and and I feel like the arguments are so uh, simplistic and but then, like, as, as you're in high school, you know, how much, how much do you really understand the depth of, of what's going on, some of the, the, the intricacies and, and complexities of, of the different arguments and, and what the different political positions are, are uh, trying to, to stand for? I mean, you just end up hearing this caricature of, of what each side is, and I just feel like it's very—it it seems like it's been very destructive. It's like, well, is that, is that really a helpful opinion? Like, is that a helpful picture that you're painting of what this side represents, Right. I feel like that's a lot of what's going on today, and so it's
1: it's hard to achieve nuance in that, right? Right, because there right. is so much nuance right. in all it, politics. It, it feels
2: like a need to be nuanced, but then like seeing some of these generational differences, I think I think seeing some of that, like specifically with the youth, and then also as it's come up more, and just the past two presidential elections, the past two cycles have been more volatile than what I've seen in my short adult mm-hmm. life. That um, that it's it it feels especially prevalent now of being able to navigate these conversations, being able to talk about like okay, how can we help people walk through these turbulent times where it seems like I mean maybe you spend most of your your week listening to these talking radio heads how do you how do you navigate that how do you mm-hmm. like whereas when we're in church or like you're listening to a sermon, maybe you listen to an hour versus 10 hours of of political talk like how do how do you navigate yeah. that
1: That's a great question. How do you navigate this bombardment of information? How do uh-huh. you parse it? How do it's you so handle it? Yeah. And especially when you're younger, you know, you don't often see some of the
2: nuances that exist out there.
1: So yeah, I think that's yeah. a very
2: good question. And, and don't understand the depth of the problem. So I I, I think to answer your question Danny, like with my background, it's been I in this journey on it's it's very it's very new, but I feel like it's it's it actually is needed where I've in the past Mm -hmm. felt like I need to stay away from this. Now I feel like, no, I need to engage this and and understand more. Mm -hmm. Wow. I was, I was the exact opposite. I watched,
0: I was in kindergarten when Ronald Reagan, I remember watching intently in kindergarten. They put the TV in our class, (laughs) brought it in on a cart and watched Jimmy Carter shake Ronald Reagan's hand. I asked my parents, what's the difference between Jimmy Carter and Ronald Reagan? I was five and I followed politics ever since I was very into it. I mean, I'd go in cycles. I, I definitely had the God girls and in, in, in football, baseball phase, mm-hmm. in, in, you know, phase. But definitely in high school, I was, you know, I remember making a shirt for George W. Bush to beat Bill Clinton, and I, I hand wrote it. You know, I had my own shirt. I went to a very liberal <laughs> high school that was definitely more Democrat, so I uh, I made a shirt and, you know, I, in college, because I was very politically also in like student government in high school, I chose in college to just take a step back because I wanted to focus on my spiritual life. Uh, so I didn't do student government at Auburn. I did a lot of other leadership things, but definitely always thought about politics. I There were moments when I thought maybe that would be the path that God put me on, but I always intertwined it with theology and stuff. And But I, I felt like I've been engaged since I was little. I mean, I've always which these past couple years have been really hard for me because as someone who s- studies history and really loves history and to see people acting as if the problems we're experiencing now have never existed before and everything, the world is falling and everything's falling apart, mm-hmm. looking at 1968 and, you know, 19, 1850 the 1850s, there have been many times in American history where we, were, we struggled like we did. I mean, Aaron Burr and, you know, the vice president the vice president of the United States shoots the treasury secretary in American history. You know, and kills him in a duel. So, so, I'm so, burned. I, so the present climate doesn't scare me as much. But what scares me is more Christians and how Christians are sometimes letting, like you were referring to, Eric letting news sources, whether they're liberal media or neutral news sources, influence them more than the kingdom. And even mm-hmm. pastors are falling into this. So, so I want to step back and say, well, we can look at history, we can look at politics, we can look at policies, but, but how can we really just, just focus on what is true, what is honorable? You know, Paul tells us, think about these things. Mm-hmm. So that leads into this next question. Since you've been in ministry, ministering to many different types of people, uh, all of us have done some type of cross-cultural ministry, and then, but but various types of ministries between youth, adults, senior adults, uh, different even different demographics. Uh, ha- and then you spent years studying the Bible. All of us have uh, formal theological training, and we thank God for that. How have you learned to navigate political engagement mm. as as you mature as a Christian? Uh, what are some things? And you may not be that fully there yet, but how, how have you learned to navigate the how to engage politically? I think most people at
1: Waypoint will hear this word and be like, "Oh yeah, it's Lawrence's word." I love tension, mm-hmm. and I'm okay with tension. You know, it, to to me, like the tension of like one side not being right in everything versus another side not being right, some sides being more right than other sides in some things, but some sides being right. I, I'm okay with that tension. Mm-hmm. Some people hate that tension, but I think that's one thing I've learned while reading through reading the Bible and through doing ministry that it's never just it's not so clear. It's, it's, there's always often that just tension exists throughout most all of Scripture and throughout most all of politics, mm-hmm. and tension's okay and it doesn't it doesn't wreck me like it does some people. So tension is a is a big word for me that like that, that of comes to mind even in politics.
0: Mm-hmm. So your present ability to navigate. So when you you're okay with people disagreeing what you're saying, exactly so, because you've learned in ministry that people are going to disagree on things on a small scale. All the way to a large scale. I
1: mean, you can get five theologians, five pastors, five scholars, give them one text of scripture, and they're going to have five different points on it based on what their kind of meta narrative that they want to try to, or their agenda that they want to promote, or Or whatever
0: it may be. What's going on in their lives right now. Yeah, like what they're. And
1: so for me, that's the reality with scripture. How much more than with so many nuanced elements of politics and uh, what's going on in this world? Um, we can do people to do the exact same thing.
0: So as we interpret, as we as the Bible is a living and active document that transcends culture and enters into culture and transforms our hearts, we're gonna come to different different ways to act. As, as we read it, okay, what is what do I do with this? Mm-hmm. So you see that people will come out with different interpretations. Not different interpretations always, but different applications of the interpretation. Right, exactly. Like what to do in light of what God showed them through this passage.
1: I mean, for example, as a parent, one could say, oh, you love your child. Well, one parent's definition of loving their child might be giving them candy whenever mm-hmm. they ask for it. Other people Another think people that's not like, love. That's because, not love, exactly. Like, Another parent's yeah. definition of loving their child is making them play the piano 10 hours a day and study and whatever. Another parent's definition is
0: let the kid just be free and play all the time. Yeah, free roam. And those that's actually a debate, like mm-hmm. which one is better. And there, there's probably good research from major universities that say both, that right. some could say doing this with your children is better and doing this. And there could be people who pick and choose passages out of the scripture to defend whichever one that they they exactly. like to and do, and for
1: me, I can live in that tension.
0: I can live in the tension that says it's
1: not necessarily is it one way better. I don't know, or mm-hmm. is it better at certain times for each certain children or certain circumstances? I can live in that tension. I think that's what I can. That's what I've, I've been taught to do in this circumstance, and so I, I, that's I think difficult for some. So
0: you approach politics similar to you you approach other theological differences or application mm-hmm. differences, like how Christians
2: should you know, live out ministry. Right. Okay. How about you, Eric? Yeah, I think, you know, what, what I'm trying to navigate right now, and, and I, I really want to communicate that I'm, I'm journeying through this. I'm trying to figure out how to navigate this at this moment in time is, you know, as, as you're living in this tension, as you're, as you're dealing with, with the conflict that you see arising is, you know, from, from, spe- I mean, we're talking specifically about ministry. We're talking about people from, from like a Christian context who are in the church there are, some, there are some views, there are some policies, there are some beliefs that you feel like, I just can't separate this idea or this, like, promoting this policy from my faith. Mm-hmm. And so it becomes so, inter- like, my political position, my political persuasion becomes so intertwined with my Christian faith. And then some people even, and so, so there are differences on both sides. Like, which, which party is the Christian party? I would say neither Neither. Neither are. Neither. 100% neither. neither. <laughs> e, and so, um, and, and even, even you know, there's, you know, maybe you look at one party ticket, you're like, I agree with this, I agree with this, I don't agree with this, I don't agree with this, and then you look at the other ticket of the other major party, and you do the same. Like, I don't agree with that, I don't agree with that, but I do agree with this, I do agree with this. But then even within that, they're, they're like, within one political policy, I feel like looking at, a, like, what's a what's a full biblical ethic Maybe, like, I don't want to make things enemies that shouldn't be enemies. Right. And, and so, but I feel like the the parties ask me to do that. I feel like they ask me to, to be, uh, to have a certain stance on this topic, but not on this other topic. And, and and so, like, even that, like, that's a lot of attention that's being brought out. But but what I don't want to do and what I, what I do want to push back on is, because I've seen this from, from Christian leaders in particular, that I, I want to push back on is your your commitment to one party should not or or to another party should not disqualify you from the christian community like saying if i'm going to vote for this candidate it shouldn't that shouldn't mean oh you're not a christian you don't believe the same things i believe Uh and vice versa I think that's unhelpful, I think that's wrong that we we make what your political persuasion is a requirement to the kingdom I, f- I want to push back on that idea because I feel like we're we're yoking ourselves with something we shouldn't be
1: I think the reality is is, is how we identifying ourselves as Christians in this country. And you should never be identifying by your political party. I mean, to me, like I don't fit in in either political party whatsoever. I get—I always talk about it. Like people used to say, "Oh, Lawrence, are you in the middle? Are you in the middle of the left and the right?" And I'm like, "No," because in some ways I'm really right. In some ways I'm really left. So, I'm, like, I don't fit into anything. So I'm just going to say I disagree. With, like, I don't want to fit into this little label of left or right or Republican or Democrat. Or, I just want to be a Christian who lives out the Christian gospel-centered, kingdom-focused ethic that. Christ has given me now I'm not saying that's easy mm-hmm. I'm not saying everything's gonna look exactly the way I think it looks because it's nuanced but I just don't want to be labeled mm-hmm. you know I just hate because I'm not at home definitely not at home in either political party
2: mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I mean the good thing is that in Third Corinthians, Paul addresses how to live in a in a society like ours. He addresses elections and disagreements. So how
1: to up social media? Yeah, yeah. So
0: Third Corinthians is is my go to source. But no, but I, I make that as a joke. There is no Third Corinthians. I mean, but at the same time, all the principles we need to live out the Christian life are in the Scriptures. But it is us living it out in community. So my philosophy is is and how am I engaging presently is I'm trying to listen to lots of voices. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to hear lots of voices. I mean I generally went along with the Republicans, you know, just cuz since I was a kid I just was taught, you know, my parents gen, generally were Republicans. My grandparents I guess were Democrats years ago and then had after Reagan had had kind of moved to the Republican party and it was fine. I mean I had it I I knew one or two people to my church who told me that they were Democrats or whatever, and, you know, it, it was fine. But I think there was a point when I began to realize that that I was mixing my identity, that I, 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 I was—the the party and the platform was influencing how I thought about my Christian faith. And I think that's where it began to get dangerous. And I, I began to ask God, how, you know, how, how can I not let that happen? And one thing that God showed me was listening to other voices. And I remember I had moved to Boston— Right before the election of McCain and and Obama. And boss, I lived in a very liberal city. I think like 80% of the city voted Democrat or something. You know, it was just just a very liberal city. And I was coming back from overseas and and the elections in the air and the economy had tanked. So most people had felt like Obama. Whoever was the Democratic person was probably going to win just because people wanted change from, from the economy tanking. And I, I just remember some of the dialogues that I had with Christians and non-Christians. And, and as I listened, I, I began just asking God, God, give me a better way. Give me a better way to process this. Give me a better way to engage. Do, am I going to bet the farm and, and bet everything on a political party? If 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 engaging and in, in saying that I'm 100% for this party, no matter what, is going to hurt my witness with my neighbor, I don't want that to be true. So if putting a sticker on my car is going to make my neighbors want not want to ask me about my relationship with Christ, I'm willing to not put the sticker on my car. And then, and then I think God really showed me, this is my favorite example, is I had a friend, Korean-American guy, grew up in Korea, came here as a teenager, and he's like, I'm voting for Obama. And I was like, oh, wow. And I just asked him why. He's like, just because I feel like he gets me. I feel like he represents me. I feel like if he's the president like my people will respect me. He's like, I live here. I have a, 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 he has a degree from Harvard, you know, he's like, I've worked really hard, but no one accepts me as an American. And he's like, and I was like, what about the policies? He's like, you know, when this guy was president or when that guy was the president, the policies are about the same. There's, he's like, but I, I prayed about it and I'm voting for him because he represents me. And I feel like the Republican party doesn't represent me. Even if, some of the I like some of the things, and it, it was it was eye opening for me because I was like, wow, you know, this guy loves Jesus. He's prayed about it. He's he's he, he may even made checklists. This guy was a law student, you know, formerly, and he made checklists. And he and I was like, it, it, it began to change my perspective, and God began to show me that as someone who wants to lead people to Christ, I've I've got to begin thinking not just how, about these how these political parties frame the conversation for me. But how can the God and God's word and, and actually real people begin to frame the conversation of how I engage in politics? So that's 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 kind of how I got here. Um, any other thoughts on that? Or you guys like how you got here, how you're engaging right now Any on your
2: journey? Uh, well, I just just as a follow up question, you know, we're kind of pushing back on this idea of being. I mean, somebody's married to a party, maybe a pushback or maybe somebody would say, like, you don't feel like you fit in in any particular part, any any one of the major political parties. But is it then wrong for me? Like, it would it be wrong for me to to have certain because of my convictions or persuasions to, to say, no, I'm I'm only voting for this party because I just this is this is what I believe is right.
1: I don't think that's wrong at all. Yeah. I think you should follow your conscience, however the spirit feels led. Uh, the spirit yeah. has led you, but I would also question that too, though. Mm-hmm. I think it's so easy to be like, "Oh, well, I'm, I'm just the way because it's biblically right," mm-hmm. you know. Right. And I'd really just question: Make sure you're listening to other voices. Are you actually asking the spirit to guide you? Is Scripture guiding you, or is your culture and the radio and the news and how you've always been guiding you? Yeah. But it's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with if your convictions or the Spirit leads you to say, you know what? And I, I, it's guiding me to become this party. And here's the funny thing. And I bet you people would push back, which people would say, well, Lawrence, why is the Spirit pushing so many Christians in totally, totally different directions? Mm-hmm.
0: Isn't the Spirit about unity? There's only two options.
1: <laughs> <It's> not- <laughs> but you know what? I think, no. Sometimes, yes, the Spirit is unity, but unity doesn't have to mean we always agree.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I think there's a beauty in having disagreement and having tension. And these are tensions about policy for politics. These aren't. This isn't like questions about you know the gospel and how to live out your faith. And I guess some people would push back and say, "No, Danny, it is. It's black and white. It's it lines up. This group or this candidate lines up with the biblical ethic, and this one doesn't." And and I can I'm not here to fight that argument today. If you want to have a one on one conversation with me, I'm good at showing inconsistencies on all sides, even inconsistencies in my own life. Every party is hypocrites. I can tell you the formation of the modern Democratic Party was formatted by basically the philosophy of William Jennings Bryan, who was a fundamentalist Christian. Uh, you know, the Republican Party was was the abortion, basically the more pro-abortion party, yeah, as late as the 70s. You know, th- there's, there's hypocrisy on all camps. So that's why... I feel like, but going back to your question, Eric, I feel like what if someone wants to run for office? I mean, to win, what if we want Christians in office? Mm-hmm. I mean, to win, you need to be generally part of a political party. Every mm-hmm. once in a while, you don't. But So what if they say, hey, I live in this area, I want to join this party, or I live in this area, so I should join this party. And, and is that okay? And I, Jesus heals a Roman centurion's child, uh, Peter, the first person, that he engages with outside of the Jewish community as a Roman centurion. So I would argue that the scripture itself is saying, you know, there's complications in how we engage with government. Jesus doesn't tell the Roman centurion to quit his job, and Peter doesn't either, knowing that they're aligned with Rome. He just says, change your heart. Ch-. Now, if, if, the, if it came with a conflict where the centurion had to choose honor God or honor Caesar, I believe Jesus and Peter would have said, no, honor God. But as long as the centurions could stay in their realm, Peter, it seems like the early church didn't, there's nothing in Paul's letters that push back against, you know, these, these type of things. So that, so that's kind of where, where I would say it's okay Mm. if your conscience is clear, but don't say as a believer, everything my party's doing is aligned up with the scriptures directly. Like, don't equate your political party or this political philosophy. You could say, I personally am choosing to live out my Christian faith through this political career or this political position or this voting way, and, and I'm going to align myself with this party. But I think we become dangerous when we, when we draw lines in the sand and we, we say it's black, it's black and white, this is the Christian side, this is the non-Christian side because it's it, there's just it's just bigger than that
1: yeah I mean I can if you see the Republicans or the Christian side I could tell you multiple arguments I have right now against you that' I'd say I don't think you are and if you say Democrats or the Christian side
0: I can have multiple arguments I have to say against you mm-hmm. that I don't think you are so and as you listen to different voices from different perspectives poor pastors in poor communities pastors in wealthy communities pastors in immigrant communities you know you, you listen to the, to the body of Christ in different parts of the world, like the stuff we're arguing about, Christians in other parts of the world don't even, it's not even on their radar. Like they're, they're, the things that God's put in front of them are very, very different. And so we are a global body. We are a group of people that aren't, we're not tied to an American political party and their present reality in 2020. So we're tied we're, to Christ and Christ's body. So
1: my question then is if we're not tied to a political party, right? There is no one Christian party. How do we vote? How do we choose who to vote for? How should we vote?
0: Yeah. And that's where... So the second half of this podcast, guys, Eric, I mean, Lawrence, this wasn't in the notes, so he throws that out there. To throw us for a loop. No. That's Lawrence. That's <laughs> Lawrence Me and Lawrence. That's the tension. And and part of this podcast is to help you process how to vote. And and I would say... And we're not th- going to tell you the yeah, answer. Yeah, we're not going to tell
1: you We're not, not. going to tell, tell you a candidate. To, we're not endorsing mm-hmm. a candidate whatsoever. But I mean... The question you have to ask yourself is: How's your conscience? How's your as you're formulating your viewpoints? Um, just you have to go with that? But that's a question I think you should ask yourself.
0: So mm-hmm. yeah. So what we're gonna do for this second half of the podcast is we are gonna I'm gonna read some tweets from some some pastors, and the each of these pastors is heavily engaged in the process. And just as a disclaimer, Waypoint was founded with a lot of a heart for just bringing people in Durham together. Lawrence, you could speak into this a little more, bringing people who have a heart for refugees, international students, just kind of like the pockets of Durham that needed a, needed a community and needed and the people who were excited about working with, you know, that God brought many different people from many, many different parts of America and the world here. So we, we as Waypoint haven't spent all our time and energy addressing all the issues that are on the ticket right now. But there are different pastors and different theologians and different Christians who have. So one of these quotes, the quotes I'm going to start with, are from a pastor named Scott Saltz. He's a suburban pastor in Nashville, but he previously was in New York City, which is a lot more uh, diverse. And and here's one of his quotes. He says, "...let's not obsess about the kinds of things Jesus ignored while ignoring the kinds of things Jesus obsessed about, such as as walk closely with Jesus, love and forgive, uh, including your enemies." repent often, hate evil, cling to good, attack problems, not people. And he's generally referring to Romans uh, 12 in that. And then he he has this amazing thing. This is Saul's again. Now, Saul's just wrote a book called The Gentle Answer. And he did a lot of research on, on how can Christians, particularly Christians in the suburbs who have a lot of resources, who have a lot of wealth, how can we read the scriptures and, and really let them transform us? And this is This is one of the things he says. He says, be careful not to dehumanize those you disagree with. In our self-righteousness, we can become the very things we criticize in others and not even know it. And then finally, his last quote I wanted to really hone in on is he says, for Christian politics, this is his advice for his congregation and suburban Christians everywhere. Carefully read the four Gospels, Romans and James. And he wrote this like a week ago. We had already we rotated our sermon series around, guys, because of the present climate after COVID and just with the election. So we actually read Romans and James as a church, and we're going to do Matthew uh, shortly. So, so part of it, he thinks that these, these Gospels are unifying Gospels that help explain how the Christian community can live together. Then he says, pray and die with people whose politics differ than yours. Then he says, name one or two weaknesses of your own party. Name one or two strengths of the other party. Vote your conscience, fight evil, advance good. So I'm going to stop here. Scott Sauls, suburban wealth. There's a lot of wealth in Nashville, a lot of wealth in his church. He writes a book as he pours over the scriptures, and he comes up with "This this is some advice to engage politically. What do you guys think when you hear this?
1: I, mean, I love it. I think some of, the, some of the good advice, some good words that he speaks, especially early on, about obsessing about the kinds of things Jesus ignored. You know, Jesus didn't spend his time talking about Roman politics. He mm-hmm. wasn't worried about who's in the Senate at Rome. He wasn't talking about whether or not Caesar should invade other lands. or That's not what he was spending his time doing. And I'm not saying disengage completely. They have no one in Christendom doing that. But yeah. he was passionate about reaching people. He was passionate about praying. He was passionate about repenting. He was he was passionate about hating evil and doing what was good. And so, as Christians, if we claim to be claim to be Christians, why are we not passionate about the things Jesus was passionate about?
0: Yeah, and I and love that. What a good example. And I mm. would challenge anyone out there for every one hour of Fox News or one hour of New York Times or one hour of CNN. We just read ten minutes of the Gospels. Mm. Read ten minutes of James mm. and see what would happen. Give let's them, let's be a people. Who let the word and the scripture saturate our minds? I mean, even I'm guilty of this. Yeah, like sure. I, I'll mm-hmm. just read article after article after article, and we're filling our minds with, with. I mean, some of it's good. There, there's you know, there is common grace, and and some of it might even line up with scripture. But let's let the word infiltrate our hearts. So I, I love that. Any other yeah. things on his his I mean, things for engagement that struck you? I just always you set your mind on
1: things above, not on the earth, right? I mean, the Bible is so rich in renewing our minds and constantly changing, like filling ourselves with what is good. And we fill ourselves constantly with what is controversial, what makes us angry. Right? How many times do we read articles on, on our social media, and we read articles that just make us angry, and we keep hmm. on reading more articles that make us angry, or reading more news stories that make us angry, and then tell your friends and neighbors about it. We're filling our like things that make us angry, not, as things, not as to stick our minds on things above.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean, I think some people, I think we want to be angry. Right. Like we want to, we want to stew in our anger, and we want to rally around it, and we want to have a, something to fight. Like we we have to have a
0: something Come to fight. Enemy. We got to have, and our enemy is Satan, mm-hmm. y'all. We like have enemy one. is we have an enemy, and we have a battle, and it, we have armor, and we have the, we have a sword. You know, the Bible gives us all these things. The sword is the word of God, and we have His armor. We we have an enemy. The enemy isn't the Christian who disagrees with you politically, the enemy is Satan. That's right. The enemy is, and and the enemy isn't even the non-Christian who disagrees with you politically. The enemy is Satan, and you want to show that person love so you can point them to Christ. And if putting a sign in your yard or, or just spouting out random facts that you're not even a law student, you've never studied law, spouting out random facts that you heard on some talk show, radio talk show, at an event that might not want that person to ever come to church with you or ever enter into a spiritual conversation, I would say is not is not the best witness. Mm-hmm. I would say God wants us to be gentle. He wants us to be kind. He wants us, the fruit of the spirit should be the number one thing your neighbors think about you. Not your political party or how angry you are at this issue. That's good. So if your neighbors, when they say, what's, what's so-and-so? I'm not a Christian, but so-and-so Christian in my neighborhood. Man, he's kind. Gentle. He's gentle. Mm. He's patient. patient. Yes. He shows love. Yes. No, he's crazy about this one issue. He thinks that if, we, if our water bills don't go down... The the mayor of whatever is the worst person ever. You know, what do you want to be known by? Right. What do you What do you want mm-hmm. the non Christians to
2: see you? And what do you want the what do you want your children to see you as mm-hmm. as a, as a follower of Christ? That's good. And yeah, I think you know Saul says here: be careful not to dehumanize those you disagree with. In our self righteousness, we can become the very things we criticize in others and not even know it. And I think you know, in our climate right now, it's very easy to feel like you know people better than you do because everybody's opinions are, are out there. You know, we're, we're more accessible to each other than ever before, but then at the same time, we just make, we, we make too many assumptions. I, I think that, I, I feel like it's healthy to be able to to critique yourself, to be able to, to do some uh, introspection and, and say, okay, like, where am I missing things? And even like, who's, who's checking you on that? Who's checking you to see, like, It would be arrogant of me, of me. I'm talking about me to to think that, okay, because I've I've done some, I've read some articles on a certain topic, that I'm now the the authority on that topic, or that I know more than anybody else on it, or that I can even, or maybe even that I I should speak into this, that people need to hear what I have to say, and I have so many outlets to be able to voice those things. I can I can voice my opinions, and it can just be out there. And people can like it or they can dislike it. And and when people do like it, it, it makes me want to do it again. It makes me it, it like uh, you know through social media. You're like, okay, people people really responded. They really received what I had to say. That must mean that what I what I have to say needs to be heard. And and then you know it it actually creates this separation, this distance. And it becomes very easy to okay. I saw this opinion that this person had, or I heard this person say this thing. And this can happen even in our church, where you see these things said uh, in one format, but you don't have a relationship with them. You think you do. You think that you know them because you've read their opinions. You've you've uh, you've seen what they've had to say, or how maybe even how they engage in that that space, like in and on. Online, you see how they engage with people, and, and that's, I think, you know, like you're saying, Danny, it's it's a warning to us to, to, to consider what kind of reputation, what kind of witness do we have in all of these spaces, in online, in our workplace, in our neighborhoods? Um, but then just because we disagree with somebody doesn't mean that we know them. Just because we've read their opinion doesn't mean that we we understand them or that that, that they're they're you know we, we shouldn't dehumanize them and thinking they're so entirely different from us or the things that they care about are so entirely different from what we care about or, or even that they're rooting it from, from a different source. Maybe, maybe they are seeking the Lord in this and, and they're wanting to, to know God's word and they're wanting to apply it and, and carry it out in their different contexts. And, and so what are we doing to, to actually know the, the different life contexts that people are walking through and, and, and the different journeys that they're on and, and um, knowing that they're growing in that. And their background and their experience and what's going on. I mean, I, if someone's posted something positive about the Affordable
0: Care Act, half of America would be like, liberal. It could be they're just posting positive thing because their mom has cancer or whatever, and the treatment is better. Mm -hmm. I mean, it could be purely on their experience. Or you know, I work with international students and and refugees is a big part of Waypoint, so we post a lot of like a lot of our people post articles pro refugee articles because we feel like that's part of our calling. Well, are you going to just say that? or automatically liberal or you're automatically this you're automatically that because you because you make this post or vice versa because you quote the wall street journal because you're you like this guy's thought on how to stimulate the economy and help poor and rich people get more money like oh that guy's a super conservative i don't want to have i don't want to talk with him so so for me i think it's it's get to know people and ask and don't don't assume uh i like i like your your thought on that eric I'm going, to, I'm going to read another quote. This is, this is another suburban quote. You know, suburban pastor are very f- close to our hearts, close to us personally, J.D. Greer. And he says, if Simon the Zealot and Matthew the Tax Collector could get along as Jesus' disciples, then there is no political division that Jesus can't heal. And it says hashtag flags. I have no idea what that means. I'm not. I think I, that's the sermon series. Oh, that's the sermons. I was like, I'm not cool or anything. Uh-huh. I've, I've never used a hashtag in my life, so <laughs> so I, I'm kind of I'm kind of added a little. I'm still I'm I'm definitely Gen Gen X at heart. I'm I'm still figuring out hashtags, but but okay. So JD, so remember my pastor to his congregation. He he feels like I mean I can't even if you barely study the Bible, like Simon the Zealot and Matthew the tax collector would literally be. Think of the most liberal person you know who who's a christian I mean, he's at least a little bit claiming christ and the most fun and the most politically conservative person and the most politically liberal and put them and say you guys are on the same group and you're going to fight for the same cause that's what jesus is doing there he is pulling the two extremes of judaism into his king, into his his group and why does that work how
1: does that work because there's a cause bigger than their political causes because
0: the enemy is satan the <laughs> enemy is not rome so, so the Matthew, the tax collector aligns himself. He's like, fine with Rome. He works for Rome. The other one's like, I'm going to give everything I have to overthrowing Rome. Right. My whole cause is to overthrow Rome. Right. The enemy isn't whatever political ideology you don't like. The enemy is Satan. Now, the political ideologies could could be agents of Satan. And they could also be agents that God could use for his kingdom. Mm-hmm. And that's where our job as the church is to trust God and to, to engage and to vote and to do it. So
2: any other thoughts on that quote? I mean, I think too, as you guys are talking about this, I, th- I think it shows that Jesus is not, like he's not offering us a better political ideology. Right. He's not, he's not a better idea than than what we we have. He Simon, is it. Simon, Simon like... the Zealot and Matthew the Tax Collector are able to do this because the the love of Christ, the person of Christ has, has become undeniable in their lives. They can't, they, like, and, and this is true for all of us. This is This is what it means to have a common faith in Christ is that we've encountered the real Jesus in our lives, and we can't ignore him. We can't ignore what he's calling us to. We can't ig- ignore, like, either you give allegiance to him or you don't. You can't, you can't, like, toe the line. You can't serve two masters. You can't be on the fence. Like, you're either want you either are, or you're not going to follow him. and And so, that doesn't mean that they got along it doesn't mean that they're like okay now now that we're like in the same camp as as Jesus like literally that that means that okay we're best friends now but it doesn't mean that that they're going to follow Jesus. And, and they both and learn died how to,
0: for the cause of Christ. They, that they, both, they,
2: yeah. have, they have discovered something. They, they stumbled upon something that was more worthwhile to give their lives to.
0: Mm-hmm. And their hearts were transformed. Their minds might have been settled on these other ideologies, but Jesus changed Ma- maybe it
2: came Maybe when, when it came to their interaction with Rome, maybe they still disagreed a little bit, but yeah. But, yeah.
0: but yeah. they still work together. All right. I'm going to read a couple more quotes. These are some from some Minority Voices. This is Pastor Eugene Cho. If Christians don't take the first step to humble ourselves and become less testy, less defensive, less easily offended, and less vindictive when we experience milder forms of oppression and criticism than the global norm, who will?
1: Mm, I love that. Love that, Eugene. And what Eugene's quote is really talking about is in this context where Christianity has been the power right? Mm-hmm. the Christianity has been the religion of the majority. Christianity has been the one that was persecuting other religions, not being persecuted, right? In this day and age, yes, say that, I'm not, not, not saying there isn't any little bits of persecution against Christians now. There probably is a little bit here and there. But what Eugene is saying is, when we come face to face with little bits of persecution, how are we going to respond? And if we respond terribly, testy, like an angry child who got their toy taken away from them, if that's what we respond over a little bit of persecution, what would that show the world who re- that Christians who are really being persecuted? Yeah, you know, I love that because we've been. I mean, let's just be honest here. In our society, in our culture, we've been the religion of power. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, and it might look like, and I understand the fight for a lot of people is well, we don't want to lose being the religion of power. Mm-hmm. But can I say something? I don't think Christianity knows how to really.
0: We shouldn't be the religion of the weak <laughs> and the religion of the humble and the religion of those who fall on their face and say the only power is is the power of the Holy Spirit living in us to, to love our neighbor and to, and to serve God.
1: I was having a conversation with somebody recently and I said, as of right now still in this country, even if you're a Christian or not, you cannot become president of the United States if you say you're not a Christian. Mm-hmm. It's just not possible in this country. Even if you're not Christian, you have to say, I go to this church. I do this. That still shows shows the case that the reality is we're still the religion of power.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, I'm going to read two more quotes. And these are from African-American pastors. uh, Philip Holmes says, Don't be surprised when standing up for the truth and attacking cultural idols comes with a price. Your reward is in heaven stand firm no matter the cost. And Phillips Holmes is mostly even though he's African American, he's mostly been in suburban white contexts. Um yeah, I think he's actually like a maybe like vice president at RTS. Or, yeah. So so he Presbyterian. He's, he's he's been in a lot of spaces. He's not, you know, ju- he's not more in the inner city and this is Tabidi. I always say his last name wrong. You got what is Anya Boyle? Uh, there you go. See Eric's. I can say Chinese cuz I I've lived there, but yeah, certain names are harder for me. But, th- I love this quote. Tabithi a pastor in D.C., correct? Uh, pastor somewhere. Uh, His congregation, he has a mixed congregation, but he definitely is a voice for those who aren't, their voice is not heard in, in a lot of evangelical spaces. And he says, to be politically homeless is one of the best things that could happen to the spiritual lives of people who are elect exiles. And that's a quote from... From Peter, sojourners and strangers, politically homeless, better fits the Christian's true identity. Let's live into that identity. So I want to end with that. How do you, how do you guys, when you hear that, he's not saying do, like back to Eric's quote earlier. Don't be part of a party. Like that, like it's not saying that you're not allowed to use the system to engage the system. Like I said, Jesus didn't tell the centurion to quit his job, but but we are technically. America is not our citizenship, ultimately. Our citizenship is in heaven. So any any final thoughts to leave us with? Even the whole kind of founding
1: of Waypoint Church, the name Waypoint, came from this idea that um, along a journey, there's waypoints yeah there's mm-hmm. kind of stuff so kind of establishing that we are as a people here on this earth, even in this church is just a waypoint we 're not home yet we 're all sojourners we 're all elect exiles. I love elect exiles that term I love preaching on that, that was one of my favorite sermons I got to preach on so speaking of the term elect exiles is that we 're not home yet we 're sojourners we 're here for a purpose at a certain time, but this is not our home and so even like the idea of waypoint church as our identity has always been rooted in this that this is not our home. And so, as diplomats and as ambassadors in a country, how should we then view our relationships in this world? You know, and it's just a different way of looking at it. Because I think so many people put all their identity, all their chips mm-hmm. into, I'm an American, mm-hmm. you know? And this, America is a phenomenal country. I thank yeah. God for America. Yeah. I thank God for the freedoms we have and what America has done as a country. But America is not our home, it is not our identity. You know, being an American is not your number one identity.
0: And we're thankful for America. We're thankful that God gives us that we can set up a church like Waypoint and we can create wealth and we can create this wealth to build God's kingdom. So it's not we're not anti American. Actually we love what God's done, but we're also saying that our yeah, that our identity isn't isn't our citizenship is in heaven, but we're blessed to be part of this country and we, we wanna we want to use the opportunities and be a steward of all these things that America provides to build Christ's kingdom. And, and advance
2: the goodness and the and the the things of, of Christ. Yeah, you know, it's not wrong to seek the welfare of the city. It's not it's not wrong to want to see um, the the nation that you're a part of, the nation that you've grown up in, the nation that you have citizenship to 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 prosper and flourish and and, to, and, and sometimes that means addressing wrongs and mm-hmm. saying, "No, I, I really want us to do better. I want us as as a community, as a as a Country to, to be better than, than what we've been and to, to grow in these ways and and to celebrate other ways to, to be able to see that we have see, see what we have done what we do stand for and and to what what are the values and and um, but and then when it comes to you know affiliation with politics or political parties as, as as you're working through that what like Lawrence you're saying what is our relationship in these spaces where. We don't have to be obligated to go the same way that other people are. Maybe maybe you, you do end up falling in one group or the other, one party or the other, but it doesn't mean that you have to embrace it holistically, that you have to say, no, I'm, I'm all in. I'm, I'm, I'm going all in on this, and everything that they stand for, I'm going to stand for. Yeah. There, there's going to be – I would imagine, and, and I think that Thabidi's saying this, is if you do step into a, a political party, there should be some tension in that. There should be things where you're like, man – I it, I really wish that they wouldn't go as, as far as they are on this topic, or I wish that, that we would go farther on this topic. Or I wish we would stand for this more while still championing some of the things that they are promoting if, and saying these are good things to, to fight for.
0: Yeah, if the church can be filled with idols, cultural idols, the church yeah. where the Scripture is our centerpiece, how much more can political parties and these other structures mm-hmm. just be filled with with, with Cultural idols. So it's, yeah, if, if if you align with everything all the time, then you're probably not aligning with Scripture.
2: And that, that goes back to what uh, Philip Holmes is saying is, you know, if if, if you are addressing a cultural idol, if, if you are rubbing up against that, or, or maybe somebody's rubbing up against that for you, uh, are you getting upset about what people are, are attacking or addressing or, or calling out as an, as an issue because of... Your identity in Christ and, and what what God's word has to bear on that? Or is it rubbing up against something that you love that, that maybe is an idol in your life that you need, you, you need to search out and, and ask the Lord to seek your heart in?
1: Wow. Yeah. Closing out is, is some of the ideas when it comes to talking about politics is that we're free to do it. Even us mm-hmm. as pastors to do this podcast. We're a little afraid.
0: Yeah, we're like, man, should we do this? Are people going to be mad? Are we going to isolate people? But we've got to deal with it because this is our reality. And we love you guys. Yeah. And we want you to engage. And we want you to love even people who disagree with you. These are your brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's, let's be like, you know, the zealot and the tax collector who can come together and be unified in Christ. I
1: mean, let's show the world how different that looks. Let's show the world something
0: different. different. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Lawrence. I'm going to end with this Romans 12 do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is that possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Amen. 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 Have a great week.
1: Thank you all. I love you guys.